Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I don't know who coined it, but I'm pretty sure some of you have heard about the often stated notion that public speaking ranks incredibly high on most people's lists of greatest fears. I'm not too versed on the statistics, but if we're going to take this as a fact, then we can agree that there's a particular category of public speakers that most certainly hold their own as modern-day Spartans in this arena. I've always admired stand-up comics, not just for the sheer audacity and courage it must take to show your face to a group of people who, whether they know it or not, are armed and able to skewer and decimate not just your material, but also your mental strength, resilience, and self-esteem. It's a career path that, by all comparisons, when you deconstruct it, could be considered lunacy. But, if you're a fan like me, you cannot set aside the incredible sense of pride one must have for the craft to literally put it all out on the line and chase your dream. Such is the kind of dedication and skill that has undoubtedly been at the core of my next guest's notable 30-year career in the business. As a former police officer, Kevin Jordan quickly found out that he preferred making people laugh. His unique blend of high energy and lovable charm make him a favorite wherever he performs. His stories of his days as a police officer, a family man, and his everyday view on life never fail to draw huge laughs from his audiences. A much sought-after entertainer, Kevin thrills audiences at comedy clubs, colleges, corporate functions, and venues in all 50 states. He is also a headlining comedian for every major cruise line. Most notably, he has had the privilege to perform over 5,000 shows for the USO and the troops worldwide. Kevin has appeared on The Today Show, Comedy Central, Showtime at the Apollo, and many other notable networks and media outlets. As of this recording, his recent Dry Bar Comedy Special has amassed an incredible 5.8 million views on YouTube. He is also the author of When the Streetlights Come On, a wonderful collection of funny, nostalgic, and heartwarming stories pulled from a time before Facebook and when there was actually a difference between school clothes and play clothes. On this episode, Kevin and I share a heartfelt, energy-filled conversation where he shares some gut-busting stories and useful insights on longevity, knowing your craft, taking chances, seeing the humor all around us, and so much more. Another exciting conversation, which I do hope you'll enjoy. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 165, the first interview of 2022 with comedian Kevin Jordan. Here we go. So uh, nothing happens out of nowhere. So again, I just want to just put this on the record, guys. Always double check your production because some things do happen. As you know, we do these recordings remotely. And sometimes, you know, being so overly, you know, planning and everything, you think you have all the details down. And when you send your guest the link to the wrong recording room, (laughs) (laughs) it's even 150 episodes in, mistakes do happen. So, of course, I want to uh, listen. It's uh, it, it, that's the way it go, man. You know, you could rehearse something a thousand times at that one time you do it. Go, oh, man, we didn't plan for this. You never know. <laughs> that's life. Yeah, that's life right. happens that's like right. you make it plans. You gotta, you gotta take it as it comes. But um, right. I really want to launch it off, uh, Mr. Jordan, to actually just, you know, just celebrate you like for two seconds because people really need to know. The randomness of the universe, as I like to call it, you never know what can happen and how the universe can answer back. Guys, I was just basically sitting in my living room and Mm -hmm. as stuff does, my wife was out with the kids running errands and I was just sitting in my living room 
and just folding laundry. And I kid you not, I'm like, okay, just put some something on the, on the YouTubes and stuff, just distract yeah. me. And right. out of nowhere, I get a random recommendation about the world's funniest police officer. I'm like, okay, <laughs> dry bar comedy videos. Like, okay, 45 minutes. Okay, I got time. I got time. And I just click play. I'm just hearing this guy talk about so many stories. And I just turned 40. And the thing is, this thing hit me to my core. You know, comedy hits you to a very deep level because for me it was very personal because i remember when i was when i was a student just came to montreal i couldn't Uh, afford much and one thing that really kept me going when i was working night jobs and going to school i had a cd player and when i used to go to the music store when cds were still hot something that was always on sale was comedy cds so i really got into (laughs) the cosby's and the foxworthy's and the jamie foxes and you know the old school prior and i really enjoy comedy because there is a very powerful healing power to laughter. So I followed stand-up comedy for a really long time, you know, and it re- it was really funny. The past few years have given us a lot of great specials, whether it's Chris Rock's Tambourine or Dave right. Chappelle or Kevin right. Hart. But there are still people out there that you don't know about that are doing tremendous work. And it was so refreshing to meet this individual and see this individual and laugh to the point of crying. I was crying because the stories were relatable. The stories were relatable. It really brought me back, like, you know, talking about extra sketch and, you know, just talking about bunny ears and stuff. I'm only 40. I was was born in 81. Uh, But these things touched me so much. mm. I'm like, this guy is epic. Like, who is this guy? His name is Kevin Mm. Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. And through the randomness of the universe, he accepted to be on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Jordan, to be on the podcast. Uh, No problem. Pleasure and a thrill. Always willing to help out, man. Always willing to help out. Nice words. I appreciate the words, too. It's so sincere. It's so sincere. And, you know, just coming off it, you know, and I can't I can't skip over this one. Even after your, you know, very long career, because you've been doing this for like, what, 30 years? Yeah, about 30. 30, somewhere in that ballpark. A good 30 years. And I really have to ask you, when you get that laugh, when you get that laugh, how does it feel? All right. See, and, and this is what, like, okay, before I even started doing comedy, let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was a police officer. Ain't no more serious job than police officer. I can right? imagine. LAPD. And, and LAPD. Well, you know, okay. We're going to say LAPD, but I worked on the west side. I worked Brentwood, Bel Air, okay. Palisade. I wasn't doing crime. <laughs> I wasn't fighting crime. <laughs> ain't, no, a... ain't no crime in Bel Air. No. Ain't no, no. Ain't no drive-bys in Bent- Brentwood. So I wasn't fighting crime, crime. I was fighting like uh, someone stole my gray poupon, crime, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of crime. So, so long story short, somebody dares me to go on stage at the, a comedy club and I do it. And let me tell you something. When you get a laugh from something you said from that, it is so euphoric. It's like, it, it's like people talking about taking that first hit of, of crack. Or, mm-hmm. or cocaine, and they say they get such a high, such a because it's the first time. It's like, oh my god, I, I gotta do this again. That's what comedy is like. That's what it's like when you get a laugh from something you've done or said, and, and, and it just comes at you in a wave like that. It's like, oh my god, it, it just felt so good. It meant it's so good. I quit my job and didn't do it that oh. day, that year, that month. But I, I, you know, I left the police department to chase comedy. You know, so. Yeah, it was so euphoric, man. It's 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 a feeling that you just don't like. I said the only thing I can explain it to is like, and I've never done crack, 
Mm-hmm. I've never done coke, but I, I've heard people who've done it, and they say, you know, that first high is like, oh, that my first God. hit, oh, yeah, that oh, first my. hit. That's why they give you the first one for free, because <laughs> <laughs> so, they know you'd be back, and that's like comedy. They let you in that open mic club, let you go, go on do five minutes, because they know you'd be back. You'll mm-hmm. be back. So yeah, and that's what it's like. That's so powerful, and you know what? Uh, I talk a lot about taking chances, and uh, you know, just you know, just just opening up to the universe as i like to call it you never know until you take that chance Ain't and that you truth? talk about you talk about you know taking a dare and actually going to the open mic a lot of people would have basically copped out and said like yeah. you know that ain't for me mm-hmm. but can you speak to us about you know taking that dare what i like to call the audacity to show up see you know what see and i call i call it rolling the dice you got to mm-hmm. take chances in life sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad uh the first big um artist i ever worked for open for was george benson Mm-hmm. And he was doing a show. I was in a basement club, this club in the basement, and he was in the theater above us. And somebody had told me, yeah, George Benson's doing a show for the Garment Workers Union today. I go, really? So I snuck up the back way and they rehearsed it and they came off stage and I started talking to him and I'm talking to him about uh, uh, Masquerade and all this the George Benson trio. You know, I want to know, let him know I'm more than a fan. I know his music. <laughs> So he goes, he goes, oh, that's nice. He says, what do you do here? And I go, oh, I'm the comedian. I'm working downstairs. I said, hope one day uh, maybe I can work for you. So, you know, the guys in the band are like, well, let's hear some jokes. So back in them days, he said, let's hear some jokes. I jumped on it. I started going into my routine and whatnot. So George Benson goes, he goes, listen, we're running a little late and I'm hungry. I'm not going to go on stage until I've had something to eat. He says, so if you can keep it clean, you go out there and do like 15, 20 minutes. I said, for real? Said, yeah, that's so. Tell the stage manager, blah, 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 set it all up. I go out, do my 15, 20, packed house. Like, again, man, it was a wave, man. It felt so good. I came off stage. I shook his hand, said, hey, Mr. Benson, thank you so much. I was very nice of you. And in his hand, he had $200. Ooh. And he, he said, let me tell you this. He said, man, you were funny, but never worked for free. And gave me two hundred dollars when I'm So that's, uh, that's, that, that's why I say about rolling dice. Now, let me let me tell you rolling the dice in a bad way. Okay? Sure. And I don't tell this story a lot. So I do. You know, this is years. Oh, this is oh, just a couple of years ago, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a cruise. I'm on my way home, actually. And I get a call. They say, hey, the Oprah cruise is coming out of Florida. Do you want to go work it? I go, well, I'm on my way home. She said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of everything. Turn around, get back on the plane and uh, do the Oprah book club. I said, oh, mm-hmm. OK. So I turn around nice. and get, a, get on the ship. And it's a ship I've been on a many times. I know everybody. And it's like I said, it's the Oprah Book Club. Mm-hmm. So so guess what? Kevin Jordan wrote a book. <laughs> I said, oh, man, this is fate. This is fate. This this got to be for a reason. So I, <laughs> I go out there. I do the show. Shows killer. Two standing ovation shows. Killer shows. Now they're having a talk, a uh, a book talk with this author, who had just been accepted into Oprah Book Author Club. You know, she's the author of The Moms. Mm-hmm. And they're having this big talk about her book and yada, yada. And I tell my wife, I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and just give her my book. And my wife's like, see, my wife my wife don't, mm-hmm. don't take mm-hmm. no chance. My, mm-hmm. my wife is straight laced. 
she uh, she she's straight laced. Don't your wife the investigator? Don't, don't that's right. My wife the, <laughs> the detective. Why is a LAPD retired detective? She, she go buy the book. She reading so she, it like I'm reading the room. That's not, right. She, not... she before we get to the room, she she said, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, No, no, no. I, I said, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna do this. This is gonna be good. She goes, oh, I don't know, but I don't know about this. So I wait till everyone ask a question. Because, you know, they, I knew they would have a question and answer with the author. And I knew at the end of it, they would go, oh, we'll take three more questions. I knew all that. So sure enough, the whole day, and then they say, oh, three more questions, and I'm the last one to stand up. And I Whoa. go, hi. I stand up. I go, hi, my name's Kevin Jordan. And everybody in the room knows me because I just did a show the night before. Yes. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kevin. So, yeah. So she goes, I go, hey, listen, um, uh, I know, I know I'm, my book ain't ready for the Oprah Club, but I would like to give both of you a book, the author and the woman who works for, for, works for Oprah. I said, I'd like to give you both a book. I only have two left. I really would like it, you know, just to say I gave it to you, blah, blah, blah. So the woman who works for Oprah goes, well, did you read her book? I go, well, my wife's reading it because it's a woman's book. You know, it's like, eh, it ain't for guys. It's, for, it's you know, it's like, it's, I, think I, could, I could tell you the author and I could tell you everything, but it's a woman's book. <laughs> so she goes, I say, well, my wife's reading it. She's telling me about it, yada, 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 yada. So, you know, I give her the books and after the, afterwards we take a couple of pictures and I say to her, hey, that was all right, right? She goes, oh yeah, sure, you're fine. The next day, my agent calls me and go, hey, what happened at the book at the uh, Oprah's cruise? I go, nothing. I said, I, I had a great time. It was a ball, had two standing ovations at the show. She goes, yeah, they don't want you back. Oh. I go, what do you mean they don't want me back? She said, not, not only do they want you back, they want you fired from the cruise line. I go, for real? She goes, yeah. They, she goes, they were so upset. They said you you interrupted it and blah, blah, blah. Oh. And yeah. I said, I didn't interrupt. I, I said, I I stood in the back. I waited till the whole thing was over. I waited in line. I said hello to everybody. I said, I, it was, she goes, yeah. She said, they, they, was, they were piping mad. So, yeah, Ooh. they're going to have to let you go. And then they pulled all my dates for the future. And <laughs> so, so, so that's the other side. So when you roll them dice, boy. Oh, you be ready you to be take ready. a chance. You be better ready. be ready. That's right. You take a chance, be ready. So, and so that's that's the yin and the yang. That's the yin and yang. Everything in balance, you know. And you're yeah. still here to talk about it. And that's you know what? Right. You know, listen. Who, you know who what? Said... You get you get through it and uh you move on. That's all. You just get pick yourself up, dust yourself off, as they say. And move you know on what? to the next one. There's no bigger school to educate you, in my in my understanding, about you know, the power of paralyzing fear than stand up yeah. because you know from what i've read and from what i've seen and a lot of, i've heard a lot of people talk about this you know you know comics always talk about you know when they get up and everything but just getting onto that stage and wanting to launch material which you know is untested and trying it out and having that direct reaction right. there is no bigger school to conquer your fear and i was wondering if that if, what that was like for you in the beginning oh in the beginning oh let me tell you. in the beginning uh, okay, in the beginning, it's you were really nerve wracked uh, to get out in front of stage, and, and somebody tells you do five minutes. Five minutes is a long time, really. If you've never done it before, you know, five minutes, and I can rattle off five minutes. But I think about it, but five minutes back then, oh my god, and it's nerve wracking. Like you said, and I always try to tell this to my wife because my wife's a singer. She mm -hmm. was a LAPD singer and blah blah blah. I try to tell all the time. There's nothing harder than stand up comedy. You know, because everything we say has to be original. We can't, we can't go 
we can't do Bill Cosby's material. Like a singer could do Michael Jackson all day. Mm-hmm. They'd say, oh, Michael Jackson. If a, if a comedian started doing Chris Rock, oh, he's doing Chris Rock. Joke you know? Right. And then you can't even tell the same joke twice. You've never seen Chris Rock come out, do a special, and then take that special on tour. Mm-hmm. But singers, they do an album, then they take that album on tour. But let's say like Janet Jackson, she better sing Control or, or one of her big hits. Every, you know, every time comedian can't go back time and, and do the old jokes. People, oh, we've heard that. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's it's very very tough uh, when you do comedy because, like I said, everything has to be original. You know, even if you if you slide into somebody's area, like if, if somebody started doing jokes now about trans or LBGT, mm-hmm. everybody would compare him to Dave Chappelle. Oh, he do a Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. You know, even just for the subject material. <laughs> so yeah, so it's very. It's a it's a it's a very tough field to be in. And I, I always wonder about guys starting now because it's so they keep narrowing the field of which what's allowable to uh, talk about that uh, guys starting now. I, I really wonder how they're going to make it. I'm it's important for you for people to talk about this. You know what? Because we've seen YouTube videos, you know, a bunch of interviews of people like, you know, we've seen the sit down between Louis C.K. and Seinfeld. And I believe it was Chris Rock talking about, okay, like the censorship issue. But I really want to get your take on this because you're a seasoned veteran. Have people gotten too sensitive or is really is it the subject material or people just too PC? And this is an open platform because personally, me, if it's funny, (laughs) you know, I'm a big fan of Carlin. I'm a big fan of Carlin and Carlin was a wordsmith and the material that he touched even to this day is relevant and it reaches you. Exactly. People, I believe right now, as you said, the, the playing field as to what you're allowed to talk about now is intense, which is why I love your uh, special because, um, what I really enjoyed about it. And again, this is not a comparison, but it really brought me back to Sinbad growing Mm -hmm. up, you know, uh, Afros and bell bottoms. Clean, right. but, you know, very homey, you know, jokes about the neighborhood growing up and stuff. Right. But, you know, I'm sure you do edgy stuff as well. And you've been around the gamut. But what is it right now? What is going on right now? What is ha- what is happening to people? Well, people, first of all, people have have lost the art of laughing at themselves. You know, everything's funny until it's your turn. Like you laugh at okay. everything, everything, laugh, laugh, laugh. Then they say something about you. Oh, that ain't funny. Well, wait a minute, you're just laughing at everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people don't, people cannot laugh at themselves anymore. Everybody's uh, offended and offended, for, you know, offended for other people, you know? I had, a, I had a woman once write a letter. She said she was offended because I was talking about uh, that I was making fun of poor and broke people. And oh. the joke I talk about, I talk about I was broke and poor as a child. That's how the joke starts. I was broken. I was broke and and poor. I said, that's a deadly combination. She wrote a letter saying I was making fun of broken, poor people. So, yeah, you know, everybody, everybody's just got such a thin skin now. You know, everything offends everybody. So I I, I don't uh, maybe we you know, maybe we we have a bad habit of swinging the pendulum to the extremes all the time, you know, anything, anything, anything goes. And now we're back to, uh, you can't say anything without offending somebody. So I don't, I, it's just, it really is a tough line to walk. But so, comedy, Because you, you don't know, you don't know what's going to offend them. You really you don't. don't. I, I do a joke. I do, I talk about the military and the guy got offended because I mentioned the Navy last. Wow. You know, so that was it. And he, oh, he was piping mad too. He, so, but listen, what are you going to do? 
We can't do anything. You're going to offend someone regardless. And you know what? I believe comedy in itself. Comedy is satire. Comedy is finding something true. We're, and again, putting uh, you know a hilarious spin on it because right. you're be, you have to be right. able to laugh at yourself. You know there are, right. there are jokes about Haitians, there are jokes about Chinese people, there are jokes sure. about kids. You know, parents like I can't. You know, I, I I hear you know a comic talking about being single with no kids and making the obvious joke like, okay, this is me sleeping in on a Saturday. It's like, well, yeah. well, that's true. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't get offended, but it's 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 a it's a really fine line we're walking right now, and it's so it's, it's odd. It's yeah, odd, and, really. you know what? It just it just am- amazed me. If you're if you're offended, then leave. If you think you're going to be offended, then don't. Why do you show up go. exactly? Right, don't go and don't sit in the front row. They always, oh my god, they always sit in the front row. You're making <laughs> yourself just, a target. They sit in the front row and mean mug you for forty five minutes. Like, oh my god, really? Why go? Just go sit in the back where you can slip out. And nobody knows you come. You know, but I don't know. Like, you know what? And it used to bother me. I used to I used to tell a joke about kicking a cat playing mm-hmm. cat football. <laughs> wow. Yeah, listen. The joke and but I knew funny. Yes, I see, it was I, hilarious. I see it and it's and, making um, me laugh. And uh I knew the audience was gonna go like that. I mm-hmm. knew it. And that's why I did the joke. And the tag to the joke was at the end of the joke, I'd say I talk about a woman complaining about the joke, and then somebody says to the woman, Hey, how did you like your veal? And she goes, oh, it's very tender, very tender. Yeah. So if if you're going to laugh about me, about if you're going to be upset about kicking a joke, kicking a cat, I mean, you can't be offended by, you can't be offended. I don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You know <laughs> what I mean. Where, you know I what see I mean. Where you're going. Yeah, I yeah. see where you're going. You know? Makes sense. Right. Yeah. You, 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 then be offended about the veal. You can't eat the veal and complain about the cat being kicked. So wow. something, like, something to that effect. You... So, but anyway, what are you going to do? I just shake my head now. People come up to me all the time and complain. Get to the other one. Because I'm sure I'm sure you've been through the ringer. You've seen, you know, ups and downs and near in between. So obviously, you know, it's it's something that you have to basically deal with. Yeah, it just comes with the territory now. Comes with the territory. But you know, the funny what I really want to get your take on also is again the the longevity. Because I know for a fact, again, through just observation as just a regular fan of comedy, I know for a fact that this thing, this thing called stand up, this thing being a comic can wear you out. People don't go into this for the money. They do. You put it yourself. People go into this for the love of the craft, but it can wear you out. I was wondering if you could teach us about, you know, just again, the the drive, the passion and the patience to actually, you know, just keep showing up because it can wear you out. Yeah. See, now when I started. The comedy boom was just coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, comedy clubs with a thousand yuck yucks in uh, Canada. Uh, comedy was any place that had a brick wall behind them was doing comedy all over the place. And so I got in. I got in on the big wave. But since then, it has constantly this business. This is the only business I know where the price. Uh, they pay us goes down every single year. Really? Uh, really, really. It just, you know, uh, clubs used to pay, really, they used to pay you well, fly you in, fly you out, uh, give you a car, rent you a car while you were at the club. All that's gone. Then it became a flat rate. Now it's um, like if you go to a club now, uh, most of the, it's either a big name mm-hmm. or a no name. Mm-hmm. So it's either 15000 or fifteen hundred. That's that's the that's that's like there's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, so I and I and I carved out a decent niche for myself. I do cruise ships. I do a lot of ships. A lot of shows for the military. Uh, I do a lot of um, 
uh, private shows for uh, uh, fire and uh, police. So I, I've, I've, I've done pretty good. Uh, so, but like I said, the people starting today, I always ask them, what's your end game? You know, so if you're doing it for the love of the craft and everything, that's fine. But if you're doing it saying, oh, because there's no more sitcoms, they don't do sitcoms like no. they used to. They used to be no. comedians and sitcoms. Uh, Montreal Comedy Festival is a, isn't a launch anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tonight Show isn't a launch anymore. Everything, all these things were launching pads to bigger and better things, but all those things are gone. You know, so I mean, uh, I see comedy clubs now being advertised where uh, they make the comedian pay to go on stage. Oh, you know, uh, or you have to bring ten people to go on stage. Uh, one of them I saw. <laughs> So not too long ago, as you had to buy a slice of pizza and a drink to go on stage. To go on stage. <laughs> so, yeah. So starting out today, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's got to be. It's almost impossible uh, to go anywhere. You know, um, I, I'm a nobody. Yeah, nobody. Nobody knows me. But I've carved out a, a great 30 year career mm-hmm. doing what I do. You know, I always say I'm in the trenches of comedy. I'm not mm-hmm. the big star and I'm not starting. But I do all the trench work. Like you said before, there's a lot of guys out here who are hilarious, but nobody, you know, they never had a shot, never got lucky, never been in the right place at the right time. Because that's all this business is. Mm -hmm. Right place, right time. Somebody likes you. They put you in something. So, you know, because between you and I and the rest of your audience, we know a thousand people on TV and movies where you go, how'd that guy get that job? He ain't funny. This is true. Right place, right time. This is true. And I'm even going to go out on a limb. You know, there is a very prominent comic. I'm not going to name him. (laughs) I'm not going to name him. Uh, But we know uh, we know who he is. And he's all over the place. You know, he's mogul, like, you know, superstar stardom, like, you know, really rock concert comedy. I get it. Do you I know who you mean? Do you do you? And this is no shade because uh, I really I really, you know, sympathize with the effort and the work ethic and building the brand and, you know, paving the way and doing great things. I I I do. I I, I'm with you. I can't I can't argue to people. I I can't can't complain about it. Not put in the work. You build you yourself go. a nice audience. And, you know, you put in the work and the longevity. Exactly. And you know what? I even used to see him, like, you know, in old music videos. And then there was mm-hmm. that one movie with Snoop Dogg. And then, you know, like, here we are. That's, again, no hating. Like, great. I send great universe. I send great right. energy into the universe. But That's right. When I sit down and look at his stand-up, I'm just like, <laughs> okay. It's like, yeah. yeah well. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know that makes me sound really, really hater-ish, but I'm being honest. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I know. You, listen, it doesn't I'm, I'm in the game, me. and I'm the same way. I, you know, I'm sure. Listen, there's people going to watch my special and go, eh, eh, that wasn't for me. You know, I mean, it, when I look at it on YouTube and it's got the likes and the dislikes. It's, You're up it's to got, five no, million views, Kevin. Yeah, I know. I, I'm trying to get to six million that before years insane. out. insane. So, yeah. I, listen. And I'm not even the highest. That's the thing. <laughs> there's a guy. There's a guy, a friend of mine, Brad Upton. He's at. Uh, he's. I think he crossed seventy million. That is so insane. seventy million. So that's uh. So uh, he's. Yeah, but it is what it is. So you're saying uh, obviously that no, not all comedy is for everybody. But yeah, yeah. You know, listen. Uh, you know, every now and then they'll do like a Q and A on the ship. And they'll ask me, and somebody always asks, hey, I, what do you think of like dirty comics? I don't like comics that are dirty. And I always say, I love comics that are dirty because they do what I can't do. 
You know, they do what I don't do. So, you know, everybody, I like, uh, I like, um, I like my food with hot sauce. Some people don't like hot sauce. Everybody like a little, every, it's, everybody likes, everybody likes something different. So don't lump, lump everybody into, I don't like them because I don't like that guy. And that's what mm-hmm. they do with comedies. I don't like, I don't like that guy. And I saw a guy get dirty once. So I'm not going to see any comic. Whoa. Um, but that happens all the time. But yeah, every, you know, there's somebody for everybody. If you like, uh, some people like Cosby, some people like Carlin, some people like Pryor, some people like uh, Joel Rivers. There you go. There you go. Everybody had their audience. Like, you know, Pryor was as much of a marquee as Cosby was. Like, you know, Cosby could be in, both of them could be in Vegas, like one show across from Mm -hmm. the other. It's like, okay, so take your pick. I love them both. I really do. You know, I really do. And, you know, you just have to understand that, okay, not all comics are for everybody. Like for me, like a, a example I can I can pick like you know he was he was a really big superstar Andrew Dice Clay I sure. I I never you know just gravitated mm-hmm. towards Dice and again right. I when I used I see old shows that I used to do like wow that guy was kind of a big deal but <laughs> he, again, oh he was huge he was he huge. was huge he would sell out Madison Square Garden in New York he was doing theater arenas and uh, he was huge so you know he was the top of the food chain so what I mean. But he, Everybody found, he found a niche, found a niche, found an audience. For, you know, uh, 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 oh my God, I can't think of her name. Um, uh, oh my God, I can't think of her name. But she used to have a, uh, she used to do all women shows. No men allowed. No men allowed in the building. No men allowed in the uh, in the sound booth. Not Wanda. Uh, no, not Wanda. It was a white comic. She had a she had a um, a talk show for a, for a little while too. Rosie, but not Rosie. Uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Female. Uh, she she was opening for Engelbert Humperdinck for a long time, but um, wasn't that funny? But she found a niche in doing all women shows. She would go over the country to these all women shows at comedy clubs and explode it. And then she had her own talk show, like I said, for years. And then uh, I I never I never got it. But teach is over. There you go. And. Again, for the people listening to us, because again, everybody, there's somebody out there wanting to write that book, somebody out there wanting to write that song, you know, wanting to actually get on that stage and tell a joke. Mm-hmm. What can you tell them about, you know what, you know, your, your dream will find you because a lot of people are just stuck in just like, nah, but you know, I mean, maybe see, it's not the right thing. It's not the right thing. It's not the right thing. You know what? We, we get in our own way of doing things, getting things accomplished. You know, people sit around and talk forever. Oh, I, I, I could write a book and I, I should do this or I should do. I always wanted to do stand up. Ain't nothing stopping you. Ain't nothing stopping you. There's a comedy club just about in every town. Just go try it. You want to write a book? I wrote a book. You know, every day. So every day I just wrote, I wrote 10 pages. And guess what? At the end of uh, three months, I had a book, 10 pages. Wow. You know, I just finished writing my second screenplay. Nice. Uh, I locked myself in a room. 10 pages. That's my theory. 10 pages. You get 10 pages down and you just write. Put 10 pages down. You may not like the 10 pages. You may go back and change it. But every day your library gets a little bigger. Your, your volume gets a little bigger, a little bigger. We are we get now. We constantly put obstacles in our way and tell ourselves of what we can't do and saying, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. And that's the problem with people. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm the biggest. I, me too. I had a year off. And said, well, I got a piano in my house that nobody plays. <laughs> nobody plays a piano. I'm when sorry. my wife moved, yeah. When my <laughs> wife moved into the house, she goes, Where am I gonna put the piano? 
I said, what are you bringing the piano for? Nobody plays the piano. You don't play it. Kids don't play it. Nobody plays it. Well, I like having a piano. I said, well, I ain't got no room in my house for a piano. Because I had a, I had a media, I had a, 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 a screen, 100-inch screen that came out of the ceiling. No. Check the TV and the surround round. And that ran from my living room to the dining room. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was beautiful. Beautiful. I one. Oh it was beautiful. She brought. She moved in. I take that screen down. No. That piano sits right in the middle of the living room. Nobody plays the piano. So this whole year, I said, you know what? I got a year off pandemic. I'm going to learn to play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Not a note. Not, Not a, a note. note. Not, Not a, a note. note but... we got 88 keys on the piano. I think about 74 keys work. Wow. So, oh my god! So, oh my god! But we have yeah, we have a piano. <laughs> that to, my my big screen. I had to take it out, fill in the the ceiling, patch oh, the ceiling. I had to put it sitting out in the garage. Surround sound like you know scrolling oh, oh down street. It was, oh, it was oh, it was beautiful. It made me cry every time I think about it. Oh my god! So my wife says to me, "Well, why don't you put it in the office where I'm sitting now?" But the office is tiny. The thing would be right here in my face like that. So. That's amazing. I'm just I'm laughing because I get relatable stories because I can think of so many items at our house that my wife and I are like are taking over. I'm not gonna mention her because my wife hates when I do this on the uh, recordings, but yeah, I so relatable. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, but, man. Um, but we, we can't set aside the fact that you know the fact that you put in you know 30 years, and again, the fact that you know just a random fan in Canada can actually find your video and resonate with it. There's a lot of hard work involved in it, and again, it's a lot of people get bogged down by the monotony of greatness what i mean by that is that there is work involved you can't just can you you can't just decide because there i believe there's a big misconception with stand-up comedy and just like yeah just get up and tell a joke yeah i (laughs) wish it was that easy i wish you know you know there are some nights i go out but but i've been doing it 30 years so i go out and i just wing it man i just make up things on the fly and you know i'll throw it like if it don't work then i'll throw in a real joke so that i know that i can still get a laugh and then i go back to whatever i was talking about but yeah it's uh it it, it does take a lot of work because like i said so uh chappelle does sticks and stones mm-hmm. right brilliant brilliant uh, uh 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 chris rock does bigger and better bigger and blacker i think it is mm-hmm. uh, brilliant right they can never do it again all that's gone. You can't. So it'll take the like. So people say to me, "Oh, I saw Chris Rock at a club. He wasn't that good. He wasn't that good because he's probably working on material for his next special. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff doesn't come together in one day. Mm-hmm. You gotta. You get first. You gotta put all in order. Figure out what works. Then you gotta remember it. You know. So that's intense. Um, it is. So and then and then after you do the big special, you're done. All that, throw it away. Throw it away. Let's start again. Let's start again. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, I worked with a guy named Rich Jenny. um, And Rich Jenny, oh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And I saw him go up and do 45 minutes. And they gave him the stretch sign from the back of the stage. And he went and he did another 20. So he did like an hour, five, hour, 10. Wow. That's a marathon. Right. So then the second show, he goes up. It does a completely different show. Not a word from the first show. Totally different. And I go, I said to myself, man, that's how I got to learn to do this business like that. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to him after the state, after the show. And I said to him, Rich, you know, you did one show. We did that show. He goes, yeah, listen. He says, I have a, he signed a three comedy deal, three special deal with Showtime. Okay. He said, 
and those shows have to be done. He said, so I got, I get, you know, I got no time to, I got to write, you know, got to get it. I got to put things out there. Got to find out what's going to work because when the date comes, when we're going to shoot that special, I got to be ready. Wow. And you know what? We're talking about the hard work and we talked about the fear, but it's definitely when we said like, you know, the, the crowd is your best, is your best educator, right? right. Um, I'm sure we can't leave aside the fact that, you know, the fear of failure or bombing as they call it. Ooh, like, let me tell you, let me tell you this. Let me tell you, that's bombing story. <laughs> you, you just, you listen, it happens, but the problem, it happens. So pandemic year, right? Mm-hmm. I don't do I don't do any shows. I don't do any shows for about a year and a, a year and a half. I won't do I won't do Zoom shows because Zoom shows are just they just look oh, so bad, bad, and, bad and they were horrible. I just I refuse to do any. So a buddy of mine calls me and goes, "Hey, um, I got a show for you to do. It's ten minutes for the Salvation Army." I wow. go, "Oh, okay." And this is just earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, first this will be my first show out the gate. I go ten minutes. Nah, that's not a problem. I can, I can wing ten minutes. So the show comes, and three comics all supposed to do ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? The first girl goes up. She does forty five. Mm. Oh my goodness, forty five. All right, all right, Tim, no problem. Just do your ten, and you'll be good. Good. But I can't. The thing is, I can't remember. I can remember the jokes. But I can't, some of them I can't remember the punchlines. Oh. Some of them I can't remember the setups. I can remember, you know, the punchlines. Some of them I can't remember the punchlines, but I can remember the setups. So I said, all right, just just do what you do. It'll 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 hit you as you go along. Because everything be will just fine. come back. You'll be I fine. walk out on that stage, first two jokes, nothing. And I mean nothing. <clears throat> silence. I tell everybody silence. Not a chuckle, so not a <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. So I think, all right, here's a job. Just all right, do this joke. Cause you know this joke work all the time. Mm-hmm. I do it and it gets a giggle. I go, oh man. Nice. Oh. I look at my I peek down at my watch. I got eight minutes to go. <laughs> oh wow. Like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? So I mean, I just I, I put my head down and I bulldozed through it. One of the jokes I completely missed up, one of the jokes I started and I couldn't have remember how to finish it. And I come off stage and I say to the guy backstage, I go, hey, um, is there another way out of here? And he goes, wow. no, you have to go back through the audience to get out. I go, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I, I put my head down and I walked back through the crowd and sat down with my wife. That's a walk of shame. Oh, How? It was so bad. It was so bad. How and do it you felt sleep so that bad. night? You don't. You, it was so bad, you know? Um, and then about uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, I had to do a ship. And that's a 45-minute show. Mm-hmm. I had to do a ship. So I went and got a bunch of my tapes and I listened to some and I had some new jokes I wanted to try because I was afraid to try it in a 10 minute set. Mm-hmm. And it went OK. It went it went OK. It wasn't it wasn't I wasn't in stride, but it went OK. It was good enough to get me back to get the train back on on the tracks and get rolling. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, that Salvation Army show. Oh, oh. yeah, it's up there. Like you <laughs> remember was, it. Yes, it was. It, you know what it, it was humbling. Because I always tell guys who bomb and I always tell guys who are starting out, it's not your last show. So don't let it affect you, affect you going forward and everything. It's not the last show you're going to do. And nobody's going to judge you on that show. Well, maybe somebody might judge you on that show. But, you know, for the most part, nobody's going to judge you on one show. So don't worry about it. You didn't die. But, uh, exactly. You know, and, I, and you know you're better than what you put out there. You just feel bad for yourself. And people, 
there was saying, "Oh, you were funny," you know. And I, you know, listen, I, you know, maybe, I, yeah. maybe I'm being hard on myself, but I know the difference between that show and any other show I did afterwards. So, but uh, it happens. But you know what? You got to have a thick skin in this business. You can't have a thin skin. You can't take anything yes. personal. You know, that's that's just comes with the territory. Because people bring their feelings into the craft, and you know, you need to understand that you're dealing with people. You're right. dealing with people, and that means you're dealing with emotions. You're dealing yeah, sure. with, you know, with cultures. You're dealing with, you know, like you're, you're dealing with people's bad days. And you know what? Some people just need to let it out, and they chose to you as a target. Yeah, exactly right. You know, so I've had people want to fight me. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, had a guy come up on stage, and this guy was huge. He was a big man, and uh, he wanted to fight me. And fights, they broke it up, and I was acting like I was tough, but oh man, I was scared. And so then, after you know, after he leaves the stage, um, the guy goes, the MC goes, "Hey, y'all want more of Kevin Jordan? Let's bring him back up." <laughs> like, oh, no, don't bring me back like, up. Dude, I'm a done. Don't, don't do, don't do this to me. No, don't, don't, so, don't, don't. I'll yeah, be back here. Uh, I'll be backstage. Yeah, that's wow. right. It's a, it's a listen. You never know when you do this business. You just never know. Welcome um, to showbiz. Welcome to showbiz. Um, this the, I, this question just really just came up. Um, Montreal has a really big comic scene, sure. and they even have the uh, National Humor Academy thing school. Anyway, where a lot of like you know local Montreal Quebec comics actually just train and you know. Right. But it always piqued my interest. Um, can you actually learn funny, or is it like? Tr- See, learning how to chisel the the stories and your humor to t- to get the punchline to have the setup you know learn the techniques but can you learn funny i don't i don't think somebody can teach you funny you can learn to be like i wasn't a funny kid and i wasn't a wise guy i was pretty much i was a quiet child and a, when i first started going into comedy uh, my parents and even my parents' friends or people I know go when they found out I was doing stand up, they go, You you doing stand up? Get out of here. You don't even talk. So uh so some people do come out of the shell, but I, I, I always wonder about people who take comedy classes, um I, I just don't get it. I don't you know, know. It, it's the the class is like you said, class it's a class of hard knocks. It's a class you'll learn the class. Uh but I don't think anybody can teach you. Uh, anything about being funny you just have to get there you know what I mean? yeah like you know, you know like you said just show up to the uh, glove and just like do the open mic exactly you just get you know you just gotta keep punching it because you know what the hardest thing in this business is mm-hmm. is finding your own voice okay you know um uh carrot top is uh, all props and everything so and that's why i always say you can't compare comics because you can't compare carrot top to chris rock to Seinfeld because that's three different comics to to Carlin, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody got their own, everybody stays in their own lane and does what they do. And that's three different things. You, how are you going to judge that? Uh, It's just a matter of what you like. Uh, Some people like carrot top. Some people hate carrot top. Some people like Chris Rock. Some people hate Chris Rock. So you have to, you know, Quentin Tarantino once said, uh, he said, no one should go to film school. If you took the money you would spend on film school and made a film. You learned everything you need to know. Same thing with comedy. This you don't need cool. to go to a comedy class. Just go down to a local comedy place, hang out at comedy clubs, learn how the craft is done, and you'll be you'll be in the same boat. Wow, 
See, that's that's powerful. That's powerful because a lot of people think that they need the tools, they need the coaching, they need the writing, which is all good. I believe, you know, you should get some mentoring and like, you know, it's at some point you will peak. And sometimes someone just, you know, either Kevin or someone in your circle probably knows something that you don't. So pick up knowledge sure. along the yeah. way. But exactly. you know what? You're, you're, you're only your best teacher is the experience. Like if I can just yeah. take I always take this podcast as an example. I started this out on my phone phone and headphones and that's it and eventually like oh okay how do we yeah seriously phone headphones just sitting in a closet in my basement and just recording solo episodes like okay i guess i need to book guests okay how do i record okay how does skype work okay so can i actually record this thing okay i need to put this on youtube okay how do i how do i host like how does itunes work like i don't I didn't get it. And there was trials and tribulations and hard knocks. And I would be sleeping up at two o'clock in the morning trying to figure out how do I edit this thing? It's right. like, oh my God, I'm too loud. I go back to older episodes now. I'm like, I, this is crap. <laughs> but you know what? I'm proud of it because you know what? I'm still uh, here. I didn't right? die. That's up, That's right. And, you know, you have to take every situation, every experience as a learning, uh, as a learning opportunity. You know, this you know is my, uh, my first screenplay that I wrote, um, I didn't know how to write a screenplay. No kidding. But uh, no, I know I didn't know, if, but I didn't know how to do anything. So what I did was I downloaded the screen the uh, screenplay for Christmas Story because my mm-hmm. my movie is a lot like Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. And everything I just looked. Oh, how the hell you do that? Oh, this how you do it. So uh, that's how you do it. All right, this uh, how they do it when I had to change scenes. How do I do it? This how I do it. All right. Now here's the problem. I thought I was Mozart. I thought anything I put that on paper. It's perfect. I ain't spell check. I ain't do nothing. Wrote it. Uh, wrote it. I started entering it in festivals. Even told some woman I met, long story short, some woman I met from, from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, she owned a production company. Sent it to her. Say, hey, my, my movie's ready. And that movie, oh, I look. And you know what's funny is it was horrible. It was bad. Misspelled words. Scene headings wrong. Uh, camera action wrong. It was hard. It's a mess. But it it placed in the Austin Film <laughs> the Austin hey. Film Festival. I was like, holy mackerel! And that's and, and, and which it was a good thing and a bad thing. It was good because it meant I was like, well, the idea. Somebody got the idea mm-hmm. and said, you know what, this is a good idea. Let's move them forward. But the bad thing was, it told me I ain't got to change nothing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> It was so bad. That is oh incredible. God, that is incredible. That is so, incredible. But since then, I've, I've cleaned it up and straightened it out. And yeah, and the second but one that I just rolled finished, the dice. You rolled I the dice. Rolled the dice, man. I rolled those dice. And you know, in this business, you don't get a second chance. So, you know, because I, like I said, I sent the, the uh, screenplay to this company in Toronto. Mm-hmm. She loved it. Um, and she wound up optioning it. Optioning it um, but then she went out, she, she got so busy doing her own thing that I became a back burner issue. So, okay. so I had, she had to let me go, but she loved the idea and she loved the movie. Um, but it was horrible. But, you know, if I had sent it, let's say I had sent it to Tyler Perry, let's say I meet Tyler Perry. And he says, hey, well, send it to me. Let's see what it looks like. I'd never get that second chance because he would have looked at it and go, oh, my God, it's a mess. What's wrong with that child? Wow. And sent it back. Yeah, so so be careful. That's all I'm saying. Be careful. Make sure everything. Make sure everything's ready before you move forward. You have to take. You know, you have to take your chances. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, right. But you gotta take a chance. Guys, still gotta move forward. You gotta take a chance and go. Go for it. We get frozen. We get frozen by the fear. We get frozen by you know just just wanting it to be super perfect and polished. But you gotta take chances. Exactly. You know. So. 
But um, I had just, uh, I'm going to let you go, but uh, what question did I have? Um, you know, one thing that inspired me by by the show, I keep going back to the show because, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Like, again, tears of joy, like tears of dead laughter. I'm like, God, like, I've never laughed so hard, so yeah. genuinely well, in thanks, a man. really long time. And, you know, when you walk off stage and you realize that you've touched someone, you know, because sometimes mm -hmm. I'm sure you can read the crowd and you see it in their faces. What's that like when you walk away, you know that, you know, you've touched someone? Because, again, sometimes all we need is a good laugh, you know? You know and what does that say about the power uh, of laughter? We, we, we say it all the time. La laughter is the best medicine. And it really is, man. Who, I mean... That's what it always cracks me up when people say to me, I don't like comedians. I'm like, well, who doesn't like to laugh? Why would you not like to laugh? Everybody loves to laugh. Um, so, uh, but it is, it is a really, really powerful thing when you, when you, at the end of your show and you look out into the audience and they're standing on their feet and they're just applauding for you, or, you know, it's, it's, it really, you know, honestly, for me, just me personally, mm -hmm. it's embarrassing. When they stand up like that and Why? Stand up. I don't know. It just to me is so embarrassing. I, I get so embarrassed when they do <laughs> when they do it. Uh that's just a person. I I think that's the shy part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, because people, my wife's always telling me she goes, You put the wrong business as a shy person. I, I know, man. She always tells me, Why don't you stand out there and take a bigger bow? And I always say, Because I'm embarrassed. So um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, like a, a, back to what I said, it's a feeling like none other, man. It really, really is. And, and it's a great thing when people come up to you and they tell you they were having a bad day or this and that, or, or like, you know, like with you, when you tell me about, uh, like you say you're 40, you from Canada, but you relate to everything I talk about. And I grew up in New York city, mm -hmm. right? I had a guy, uh, from India tell me, cause I talk about, uh, playing playing a game until the streetlights came on, mm -hmm. and then that's when everybody had to go home. And this guy from India told me, he goes, "Yeah, you know, I was the same way. We would play cricket in this field, and when this one light would come on, we all had to run home. We know it's, it's time to come home. It's universal. Same thing in Haiti. Yeah, exactly. See that? Same, it's same thing. it's same universal. Thing. Everybody had to do that. We used to be out just playing soccer, or basketball in the uh, local church, and the second that you know the court light came on, like, oh, okay, it's kind of late, guys. Right. Grab the ball. Right. Didn't matter what that score was. <laughs> you you winning? Uh, well, we won because that that light, like I like the the light would flicker before it would come on full, and we mm. looked saw that light. Oh, uh oh, man, better get home. You better be in your house or in front of your house when that light came on. But it, it's so universal. All it's worldwide. So, and that's the kind of things I like to talk about. It's so it's so powerful. And I guess it's going to be my parting question. Like, again, because, you know, you're a parent. I'm a parent. And, you know, this generation, as you said, I guess sometimes are too all up in their feelings. Because yeah. sometimes the stuff that my daughter, who's eight, gets worked up over. And again, <laughs> I'm probably putting, like, you know, my 40-year-old eyes on an eight-year-old problem. But how can we uh, teach them to be a little bit more receptive and a little bit more, you know what? Don't take stuff too seriously. What would be your words of guidance for that? You know what? I, I, I don't know what the words are. You know, because like I had three boys and I just try to tell them, don't take the, I try to teach the grandkids now. Don't, it, it ain't that serious. And all you can do is tell them. But until they, it's like anything else, until they're ready to hear the words, you know, they ain't going to, you know, they're going to stay in that old little world. But, um, but, but most of our problem, we were kids, you had to go work that problem out. Mm -hmm. it was, there was no Facebook and no no nope. chat room or nowhere you could go on and you had to go work that problem out. You had a bully, you're gonna see that bully every day. Deal with it. That work. That's right. Till you worked it out. Till you fix it out. 
So, yeah, I, you know, I guess, I guess all we can do is lead by example when we tell them it ain't that serious, it ain't that big a deal. Uh, and you got girls, so that's oh my goodness! I say another layer of emotion laid on top of that, you know. So you ain't you only and she ain't you only get started. <laughs> you ain't you ain't seen nothing yet. The things I'm getting right now, like the Daddy, mood swings, I, and you don't know nothing. I oh. love him. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I love them. Like she's got three, she's got three suitors right now. Like you're At eight, eight years old. Oh, you're eight. Oh, eight. Lord, calm down. Okay? This is the one. It's like, calm down. It's like, no, daddy, don't go. You don't understand. I love him. It's like, did he tell you he loves you back? No, but he's probably keeping it a secret. It's like, uh, all right. It's like, you don't know nothing about love, daddy. <laughs> you don't. You don't know nothing. You don't get it. You don't understand. You do not understand. I'm gonna go oh, to my, my room. Good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to my room and getting online. Oh my god. So, but yeah, oh, I, listen. Until you're ready to receive the word. You will not hear the word. No, no. So. That's like, that's the path of life. It's, uh, it's been such a privilege and a thrill, uh, to no, have well, you thanks on. Thanks for fucking uh, man. That was uh, very nice of you. I it's, appreciate uh, it. it's sincere. It's very sincere. It's, uh, guys, I really do invite you. Just go on YouTube. I will link it up to the blog post once it goes live. But obviously, guys, dry bar comedy. Kevin Jordan. You can't Kevin miss Jordan. it. And, and go buy my book. Please, please. When the streetlights came on, Kevin Jordan, available on Amazon and all the wonderful outlets. But That's if it. anybody can, wants to connect with you, are there any particular places you want to send them? The the website, oh, Facebook, or KevinJordan.com, uh-huh. uh, which would probably be the easiest way to find me. But like I said, I have a YouTube page. Uh-huh. Uh, Kevin Jordan, the YouTube, I have Instagram. Right now I'm trying to sell that movie, so I'm on Instagram like every week. Instagram. <laughs> uh facebook all the, all the, the normal universe. places that's right hey listen put it out there that's for sure put it for out sure. there listen for you sure. never know the, the person i need to reach could be watching your show wow so you See, never know again. i played i played golf for the guy from mm-hmm. from an indian guy from uh uh quebec mm-hmm. in the bahamas and he, he keeps telling me he keeps emailing me go, hey i want to introduce you to my friends from netflix who knew oh so we'll see if we can You'll keep Titch Rondos from getting fired. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Definitely. Sorry. Definitely. Definitely. But definitely. you never know. You never know where your blessings come from. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, this, the, this, this was just meant to be. This was meant right? to be. It's like there a connection go. to the universe. That's and right. uh, just curious, have the cruises picked up? Or are you getting more gigs right now? Yeah. Back yeah. I go, out, um, I go out next week. I go to Fort Lauderdale one time around the Caribbean. Uh, I just came home from uh, a, a three seven day cruises in Alaska out of Seattle. So they're coming back. They're coming back slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one more run around the Caribbean right before Christmas, and they're starting to fill up for 2022. The ships were the ship was a 60 percent capacity, um, but everybody was in good spirits. Everybody, you wore a mask when you were in the elevator around the ship. You didn't have mm-hmm. to wear a mask if you were outdoors. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to wear a mask. At meals, no one got sick. Three weeks, no no breakouts, no nothing. Amazing. So I think we're coming back. I think it's, everything's back. making a comeback. Again, everything everything works out slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Indeed. Indeed. We do have a running tradition on the podcast as a closing as, as a closing word, if you will. Just again, inviting the guest, kind of like an open floor. You're used to this, like an empty. The spotlight is on you. But again, what I like to call the next step, as in a personal quote, a book recommendation, or like you know, a next step, a, an action someone can take. Waking up tomorrow and just take that next step towards their next level, whatever life looks like. Would you have any words of wisdom for them? I, listen, I just every day is a new day. And don't be don't be afraid to try new things. That's just 
you know, every day. You are never too old. You know what my mother used to say to me? She used to say, she was she used to say, put all your eggs in one basket. And if it don't work out, just start another basket. Boom. You know, so you gotta try. You can't if you have a plan B, then you don't have a plan A, as they say, right? Because just right. Put, go take a chance, take a chance. What it is it that was just that kill I'm doing all the quotes. That was just not kill you, make you stronger. Everything, right? <sighs> so take a chance. What what's it gonna kill you? What's it gonna hurt? You, you can't know? die. Just a, just another die. life experience. Wow. Wow. So. Guys. Kevin Jordan, award-winning comedian, such an amazing individual. Please do go follow him on all the web presences. I will link everything up into the blog post. Once it goes live, you guys know I will stay committed to this. But as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Kevin Jordan, thank you so much. Get my special over six million before the year's out. Yes, right now it's go. five million and something. Let's get it up to YouTube. You know, get it up I, to I watch like, it every day. Watch it. The ticker's <laughs> going up, and we will make it happen. We will. Every okay. single watch counts. Go, guys! It is definitely worth it. Just like it's not just passing comedy. Just sit down and experience it because it's one time where you can have comedy where there's no political agenda. You just sit down and you're just go. having that's fun, exactly right. and that's refreshing. Glad you enjoyed. Glad you had a good time, man. Can't thank you enough, guys. As always, as always, thanks so much for checking in. Stay blessed. Do stay safe. And as always do, stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, Please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.